0: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There's no off-season. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from the Sully Baseball studio in beautiful Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Belvin, and just a line drive from Sunken Diamond, the baseball home of the Stanford Cardinal. Let me just address a few things. Um... Yesterday was a kind of a bananas crazy day in baseball and one that kind of addressed a, a bunch of topics that are going on right now, right in the here and now that make this season a little crazy a little, and, and a little, um, you know, over, overwhelmingly difficult to describe Now, the first thing I want to bring up, though, because this brings up, excuse me, one of the changes in baseball that I think need to be made, and the the change that needs to be made, and I I, there was a whole topic on a solid baseball podcast a while ago, and that was the notion that we should have regular season games stop at twelve innings. At 12 innings, you have a tie. If you don't have a victory at the end of 12 innings, you've got a tie, and you move on. There are 162 games. We're going to have some ties. Now, we come to the postseason. None of this tie crap. But we're seeing, especially with the way that teams carry their pitchers and use their pitchers and you know, go through them pretty quickly, you could put pitchers in danger of getting hurt uh, you know, you could screw up a rotation, everything like that. The only reason in a regular season game to not have a tie after 12 innings is because of tradition. Now, as much as I like to see long 17, 18 inning games during the regular season, I understand that I am the, I'm the outlier. And a reason why this is something that I think is important Happened last night in Philadelphia. The Dodgers and the Phillies played a game, which I'm not convinced is over. It went 16 innings, the longest game in terms of the baseball went on. and there, There's always that final game, you know, where's the last game that's being played, and then the, the night of baseball is over. Usually, it's here on the West Coast. You know, you're following it out. The game's over in San Diego. That's it for baseball for the day. Well, last night the Dodgers, a West Coast team. Wrapped up baseball with a game against the Phillies, but it was played in Philadelphia because it went 16 innings and it was a very competitive game. And both bullpens, you know, locked antlers, and there was no scoring between the eighth and 16th inning of that game. Not too shabby, I might add. Now, here's the deal the Dodgers ran out of pitchers. They ran out of pitchers, and they were forced to pitch Kiki Hernandez out of the bullpen. Now, it's one thing to pitch a, a position player out of the bullpen in a blowout game. Hell, there was a game the Diamondbacks brought in two or three position players, starting in like the it was like the fourth or fifth inning. They brought in Daniel Descalso, because they were so far behind. It was like Do you know what we're not we're not going to use any of our pitchers today. This is going to be a day where we just, this is, we're just going to rack up uh, you know, as many uh, position players as possible. Well, they brought in Kike Hernandez in a tie game in the 16th inning. Now, when you take a look back, they, they got a good start. This wasn't a situation like the, the, the Rays where they have their starting pitcher go one inning and they bring in the reliever and blah, blah, blah. Kenta went seven innings. And then Scott Alexander pitched one inning. And then JT, I can't pronounce it, threw seven pitches. Zach Russup threw seven pitches. Daniel Hudson threw six pitches. And then suddenly, like, oh crap. And so we got to bring in people to throw double digit pitches. Eric Adell threw 36. Dylan Floro threw 39. Kenley Jansen threw 16. And because they were so precious with their pitchers in the, in the ninth and 10th innings, all of a sudden, they didn't have any relievers left. Instead of using a starting pitcher like the Phillies did with Vince Velasquez, they brought in Kiki Hernandez. Kiki Hernandez uh, walked two batters, did get in and out, and then let up a three-run homer to win the game for Philadelphia. Why am I bringing this up? It's just one game in this. That's true. It is. But it was a tight game... It was a meaningful game between two first-place clubs. And right now, Philadelphia has a one-game lead. They're tied in the loss column with Atlanta. Los Angeles is up by half a game, one game in the loss column over Arizona. And they're only two and a half ahead of Colorado and only four and a half ahead of the Giants. Now... It's 162 games. You can absorb a win here, you can absorb a win there. You could say, hey, if you could have you know, sixteen innings, you could you had between the ninth and the fifteenth inning to score some runs. Yes, all that's true. If we get to the end of the year and the Phillies win the division by one, and the Dodgers miss the postseason by one, you could look back and say there was a game where it came down to a utility player pitching. I don't see how that makes baseball better. I don't. The way that baseball has evolved, ties don't usually happen. Games usually don't go longer than 12 innings. So this is only going to affect a handful of games anyway. And in this sense, you play 12 innings, you're at, you're, you know, you're at loggerheads, and they're playing a day game the next day. Screw it, 12 innings, it's a tie, let's go home. It may not be satisfying, but is that more satisfying than having Kiki Hernandez pitch? Look it, it's July. And when this playoffs, you know, we, we only think about the playoff results and tight games based upon the final games. You know, when the Red Sox blew that huge lead... For a playoff spot in 2011. The only, only, only goddamn game, sorry, Ray, the only goddamn game that anyone thinks about is that final game where Papelbon shit the bed. And there were a plethora of games in that disastrous September for the Red Sox that you could point to, but the only one anyone remembers is that final game. And no matter how this postseason unfolds, and we're looking at the National League getting super bunched up right now, a game here or a game there could be the difference between a team making the postseason or not and the way this National League is being set up. If you just make the postseason, you got a good shot of winning the pennant because there is no powerhouse in this National League. So when you have two first-place teams Facing each other. Let's try not to have outfielders pitching the game. Shall we? I don't think that makes the pennant races better. Now. The other thing that happened. A couple things that happened. That are just unbelievable. The Milwaukee Brewers won again. Um, They've been slumping. But they won. In a walk-off victory against the Nationals. And the Brewers, despite being very shaky, especially after the All-Star break, are only three games back in the loss column, one and a half games back in the standings of the Cubs. They're still within striking distance. They're still a good, solid winning streak away from getting back into first place. And it's really anyone's guess who the front runner is in this National League. I mean, a couple weeks ago, I would have said it was Los Angeles. A couple weeks before that, I would have said it was uh, the... Uh, I would have said it was the Milwaukee Brewers This is exactly the type of scenario That an unlikely team Can sneak in The way the Colorado Rockies did in 2007 Now the team that I thought I wrote in ink Was going to win the division And I felt as recently as June Was the favorite to win the National League pennant In my humble opinion Were the Nationals Because I looked at this Mediocre National League And I thought, you know what The Nats are off to a slow start Once they hit their aft thrusters They're going to leave They're going to You know, it's going to be the old adage Of Ron Howard pops the clutch And tells the cops to eat my dust God bless you if you get that reference Bless you boys indeed But here we are It is, I'm, as I'm recording this It is the 25th of July in the year of our Lord, 2018. There you go, Ray. And the Washington Nationals have a losing record. They have, they've played 100 games. This is not early. This is not a small sample size. they played 100 goddamn games. Sorry, Ray. And they've lost 51 of them. Is that disastrous? Actually, yes. If you must know. It's disastrous. They're a sub-500 team. We are six days away from the trade deadline. And when you're a losing team at the trade deadline, chances are you're a seller, right? Oh, you can point to a few examples of teams. You know, oh, but the Kansas City Royals did this and the Rockies did that. You remember that because they're outliers. If you have a losing record at the trade deadline, what the hell are you going to do? I almost think I mean, I mean, I look at as someone who's always been a big Dusty Baker fan, I'm sure Dusty Baker is looking at this, having a nice sip of something going, well, it wasn't my fault. You know, I was a big proponent of hiring Dave Martinez. Well, I didn't want them to fire Dusty, but once they got rid of Dusty, I thought Dave Martinez was a a no brainer. Decision because of his experience, and, and you know, maybe not managerial experience, but he had all the earmarks of a great manager. And he very well may be a great manager eventually. This, this is his first year as a major league manager. A lot of managers don't look very good their first year. Terry Francona, Bruce Bochy, uh, Joe Madden, all these people, I mean Joe Torre. If you look at their early years as a manager, there was some losing in there. But he was handed a 90-something win team. He was handed a division where one team wasn't trying, that is the Marlins. One team was so cursed that eventually one of their pitchers got foot-and-mouth disease, and that's the Mets, and the Phillies and the Braves were rebuilding. It was the, the Nationals and the Indians had the two easiest routes to the postseason. The Indians although they're not a great team they're running away with their division the nationals they are they're one bad week away from having the marlins be within striking distance of them the marlins and now you have to think long and hard about the fact that you know Bryce Harper's going to leave via free agency we all know that should they deal him should they package him I mean, you're, you're going to get two draft picks from him or something like that. I mean, what would happen if they do that? Would fans go ballistic? Well, what if they don't make the postseason and he walks? I mean, this is a catastrophe for a team that is designed to win this year's pennant. And this window of opportunity could be slamming shut and it being, you know, costing four managers and not one advancement to the league championship series. But as crazy as those situations are, nothing to me is crazier than the fact that the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Oakland A's are two teams that right now look like they could beat anyone. Now, I grant you, they're not exactly playing some of the best teams in baseball right now. But the fact of the matter is, let's take a look at the the Oakland A's on June 15th had just gone through a nasty losing streak. And they were at that time two games under 500, and floundering, absolutely floundering. Just being like, you know what, this is—we're going to be a mediocre team this year, and that's all there is to it. After that date, they have gone on to, for a record of 25 and seven, they have won. 25 of their last 32 games, and not only have they been winning these games, they've been winning these games with an absolutely torrent offense, filled with players. who are going like, wait, who? Wait, wait, Jed Lowry. Jed Lowry is hitting the snot out of them. This is the same one. This is not a different guy. Chris Davis, Dustin Fowler, Matt Chapman. You know, Jonathan Lucroy hitting the Grand Slam. This is a team that you look at, Stephen Piscotty, these are players who would have been easily acquired by anyone. This is, this is Moneyball, what, 3.0 at this point? I can't, I lose track of it. Would it be odd if this is the Billy Bean team that wins it all? The game that last night, they were playing the Rangers. Yes, the Rangers stink. But the Rangers were up ten to two, and the A's still won it ten to two, going into the seventh, and the A's still found a way to win. And there's an interesting thing about this A's team because, yes, they have you know they have young players, you know Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, are you know Dustin Fowler, are all young players, um, Sean Mania who is not contributing much right now, or Frankie Montez, is you know these are young players. But Blake Trinan is in his 30s. You know, Yuzmaro Petit's in his 30s. Trevor Cahill's in his 30s. And then, you you know, you had a bunch of veterans who were cast-offs. You know, Jed Lowry's 34. Chris Davis just turned 30. Instead of going completely young, they picked up some of the the cast-offs and the drift-offs. You can hear Jonah Hill talking about the the Misfit Toys again with his team. When everybody goes to rebuild and go young, then you can piece together the Chris Davises and the Jed Lowrys and see what you got, and the Jonathan Lucroy's. And what do we have? You have a team that, of course, by the way the playoffs are set up right now, they would miss the playoffs because of the way divisions are aligned. But they are breathing down the necks of the Seattle Mariners, who last night won a st- lost a stupid game to the Giants where they, uh, an error in the um, top of the ninth inning set up the winning run. You know, but right now, the A's, who are playing better than anybody in the American League over the last month and a half, are right now only a game and a half behind Seattle. And remember, Seattle was playing a little bit over its head, too. They're not getting a good season out of uh, King Felix. They have a suspended um, uh, uh, Robinson Cano. So this isn't like the Seattle Mariners are this giant juggernaut of a team. The A's can catch them. And the A's could be that exact type of team that you don't want to face in a one-game playoff. Because they're that type of team that just doesn't give up and knows they're not supposed to be there, so there's no pressure on them. The Yankees or the Red Sox, one of those teams that are going to be in the wild card game with over a hundred wins, knowing their entire season could be reduced to a forgotten waste of time if they lose the wild card game, and they will face they could face an Oakland team that suddenly Has nothing to lose and everything to gain. That's really dangerous. That is truly dangerous. And makes you wonder, wow, this team, the way they're playing and the fact that they the fact that they're doing additions, they traded for Familia and gave up virtually nothing for them, adding to what's already a strong bullpen. In other words, in a wild card game, if they have a super strong bullpen. What does that mean? That means they can go to it a lot earlier. There's a leaf blower outside. I'm going to shut this window here because I hate leaf blower. I just can't use a goddamn rake. Sorry, Ray. And the other bizarre thing is the Pittsburgh Pirates have won their last 11 games. This was a team that waved the white flag at the beginning of the year, trading away Garrett Cole and Andrew McCutcheon saying, well, we're not going to win this year, so let's move on. And they didn't exactly get off to a, yeah, you know, they got off to an okay start, and then they sputtered, and they're like, well, this is pretty much where you thought they'd be. Well, now they've won their last 11 games. 11. They went from being, what was it, they were being 7 games under 500, and now they're 4 games over 500. And once again, unlike the top-heavy American League, you have a national league that is anyone's guess the go to winner was the nationals who are not contending they have to leap for you know right now they are 3 games out of a wild card spot and who are they chasing colorado arizona atlanta milwaukee which one of those teams is the unbeatable juggernaut Which one of those teams are like, wow, they don't have a shot against them? All those teams are bunched together. All those teams are on pace to win mid-80s, low-90s. And if the Pirates do add a player here or there, and they're, they're talking to the Texas Rangers about adding from some of their bullpen, although, by the way, the Rangers' bullpen looked yesterday, you may not want to touch them with a cattle prod. It's difficult to look at this Pirate team and say, you know, this Pirates and A's teams are both teams, and you look like... Wait a minute, how are they doing this? You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, they have the likes of, you know, Polanco is still, you know, hitting lots of home runs and, and, you know, Starling Marte. But wouldn't it be wild that one of the smartest trades made this year was for Corey Dickerson? Corey Dickerson, who was an all-star with the Tampa Bay Rays last year, and designated for assignment for basically money purposes. Anyone could have grabbed them. The Pirates did, and he has fit in perfectly with this team. It's funny. The A's and the Pirates have been good at the same time, several different points in history. In the first wave of the Philadelphia A's, was coinciding with the rise of Honus Wagner and the Pittsburgh Pirates, but the two of them never faced off in the World Series. In the 1970s, the A's and the Pirates were two of the dominating teams in baseball, the Pirates making the postseason in 1970, 1971, 1972, 1974, 1975, and 79. And in in the year 71... 72, 74, and 75. In four of those years, the Pirates and the A's both were in the postseason. But alas, they never faced off in the World Series. During the Barry Bonds and Jose Canseco years, the Pirates made the postseason in 90, 91, and 92. While the A's made in those uh, in 90 and 92, the A's also made the postseason. But they never faced off in the World Series, and this year or this decade, in twenty thirteen, uh, was it twenty? Yeah, twenty thirteen and twenty fourteen, the A's and the Giants, the A's and the Pirates, both made the postseason both those years. But of course, they never faced off. Wouldn't it be wild, with all the star power that they've had over the years? I just mentioned Clemente, Bonds, Reggie Jackson, Honus Wagner. Rube Waddell going back to Connie Mack that these two teams would be the teams that finally met in the World Series it's a long shot of course but not as long a shot for the Pirates as you'd think if they continue to play well and continue to hang around as I said before who exactly is the juggernaut that would stop them we're in a position where the A's and the Pirates are buyers. And the Nationals could be sellers. That's strange. I'm not going to lie to you. I can't. I have no reason to. So go to sullybaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, and everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kalisky. You can be old school and send me an email at info at This has been Sully Baseball talking about the strangeness and trying to keep our utility infielders from pitching in important games. Here on the 25th day of July 2018, I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Cue the leaf blower, and you can call me Sully.